you don't know who you are, then others are going to mold you in the identity they want you to have in their own eyes. But if- Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. I'm excited to have you here today at our show. We're all about helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. Thanks for being here. Hey everybody, Ben here. I just wanted to come on really quickly and share with you something I created for you that I'm very excited about. You know, I'm a a big fan of using our mind and the tools that we can use within it to begin to create our life, our ideal life, the way that we want to. There's many different things that we can do this. And I know that if you're listening to this, you're intuitively, you already believe that you have the power to be, do, and have whatever you want. You already believe intuitively that you can create your life by design. But often I find people, as much as they believe it, they keep kind of repeating programs of the past. They keep, you know, self-sabotaging at times, running into the same issues or, or even having struggles of the same. So maybe, you know, continuing to struggle with money, uh, maybe continuing to struggle in relationships, continuing to struggle in creating the, the body and the health and fitness that we want or whatever it might be, maybe your own personal happiness. So what I've done for you is I've created a, I think it's about five or six minutes, but a visualization that you can use a guided visualization to help you achieve your goals. I know there's things that you want. I know there's things that you can have and you can be and you can do. And so I wanted to give you a tool that you can apply in your life to begin to create that in your life and create it in your mind so it begins to show in your outer reality. So if you go to benspangle.com forward slash gift and you can download that visualization for free, the guided visualization on achieving your goals. All right, let's get you back to the show. Hey, welcome back, man. I am fired up for you to be hearing from Jay Mamie today. I've gotten to know Jay the last little while, and we're going to talk about a lot of things today. One of the things we're going to be talking about is brand new book he just released, which I'll come back to later today. I want to give you a little bit of an idea of who you're getting to hear from today. And it's for me, it's an honor and a true privilege to get to spend some time together. Uh, Jay is a 10-time author. So the book we'll be talking about later is his 10th book that he's released. He owns multiple different businesses. He's a professional natural bodybuilder. He's got his own talk show, The Jay Mamie Show. Uh, he's done and has incredible experience in sales and leadership uh, uh, consulting and instructing with that. And, uh, and I got to hear about this, Jay, cause I'm not familiar with this one, but he's the world's number one action retainer. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, but Jay, Hey, I'm so, I've been looking forward to this, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, I have been looking forward to it as well. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, as they say, let's get the show on the road, brother. Let's get the show. On, so what is an action retainer? Let's start with that. Well, you know, it's interesting. So for a while, I thought to myself, what makes Jay Maney so effective when he is in front of a group? And, uh, okay. and I have always been in front of a group to some extent since I was 13 years old. Right. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. So I realized that because I, I bring a level of entertainment in all of my talks and teaching and training and leadership skills, but in a way that leads people to action. So it's not entertaining for the sake of entertaining. Mm. It's entertaining for the sake of leading people to take action steps after we're done mm-hmm. so i kind of put the, the language together created my own uh word here and uh, the action tainer i help you take action through a level of entertainment i love it i love it you know it's funny as i uh, uh began my speaking career i was uh i was so focused on just wanting to give value 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 that i learned 
after a while of making the mistake of it, that without that component of the two things that you've got there of the action taking, right? Cause we can overload with information. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think the world's drowning in information right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly too, though, is that it's gotta be delivered in a way that actually makes me, you know, I'm engaged, you know, I'm right. wanting, wanting to hear. So that's awesome, man. That's really awesome. I want, I want people to get to know you a little bit. Um, you're, you're the product of, uh, the, the adoption system I learned about you. And so I'd love to hear a bit of kind of your backstory. You started a business young, 13 years old as an entrepreneur. So tell us a bit about you and your history before we jump into a little of the message. Sure. And I'm glad that you did a little bit of a recon because oftentimes people see the end product, but they don't see the beginning of the process, right? It's like mm-hmm. sausage, right? Mm-hmm. You taste the sausage in the end is tasty, but the beginning part of it is something you certainly don't want to see. Because um, yeah. it's messy and it's ugly. And it's not yeah. appealing, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a little bit of my story. You know, me and my I have a twin brother, okay. uh, Joe Maney. He's uh, still up in New York. Okay. And uh, we are an absolute product of adoption. Uh, our, our natural, my, my natural mother uh, gave us up probably three weeks into birth. And that's a whole other story. Okay. And, uh, and that's because she had already five of the kids. She was a drug addict, alcoholic. She was 22 years old, struggling. So wow. um, she gave us up for adoption. And at that same time, my parents, uh, they were looking for uh, one child. My mother, my adopted mother, my mother, really not my adopted mother, but technically the adopted mother. Yeah. She, you know, she was the kind of person that had already had three miscarriages um and so she couldn't have any more children so her and her husband uh, my father when they moved here from puerto rico back in the 60s decided hey let's adopt and so they went down to the adoption agency put the name on the list and when they got the phone call from the adoption agency they said come on down here they got excited when they arrived they found out they got to buy one get one free <laughs> <laughs> they got a bogo yeah. <laughs> so you know what are they going to do they they're they're struggling financially. I mean, we, right. we grew up in Spanish Harlem. Spanish okay. Harlem is you're struggling in the 60s and early 70s. Is, is the, you got the Latin Kings. You got the drug related. It's a, it's a bad situation. Okay. Um, but uh, so as a result of that, you know, we grew up in, in very meager means. My mm. father took on three jobs. My mother had to stay home, mm. and that made financially very uh, very difficult. But that gave me my brother sort of a desire. Uh, the awakening of the entrepreneurial spirit, because if we wanted to have anything nice, mm-hmm. like the other kids had, the Walkmans mm-hmm. and the Jordache jeans and the Pumas and the Adidas mm-hmm. and all the cool things, right, mm-hmm. that you found during that time, mm-hmm. we had to go out and make money. Mm-hmm. So we ended up uh, learning how to pick up, but not learning, but realizing that uh, that awakening, which a lot of people don't have as an entrepreneur, then even those that are what I call entrepreneur imposters, they think they're entrepreneurs, but they really aren't. Right. Okay. Okay. I think they like the title, but they don't do the action work. Mm. Uh, they're imposters. Right. Mm. Um, they're delusional. I call them delusion. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but we figured out people are walking by nickels and those nickels they saw as trash bottles and cans, mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial vision, the entrepreneurial mindset said, Hey, those are nickels. And people are walking by nickels because they see trash. Mm-hmm. So we didn't see poop. We saw profit. <laughs> right. I so love it. we're picking up these nickels, man. Every Saturday and Sundays we're picking up what happened as a result of that. Yeah. 
we got the jeans, we got the sneakers, we got the walkers. Okay. We didn't have to ask our parents. But that's nice. early stories would develop this entrepreneurial spirit that led to me by the time I was 16, I was doing uh, simple tax returns for people no way. in the, in okay. the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Cool. In fact, I found recently my old tax certificate. Back in those days, you could fill out a form, send it to the IRS, and they'll you, uh, fill out, take out, uh, pass yeah. the test. Yeah. They give you the certificate, you could be a tax preparer. So I did that and from there, personal training and then right. uh, got involved in acting in theater and then in okay. financial So, but that early, that early time frame that uh, started out because of adoption is really what created the foundation for who I am today. You know, it's so amazing how uh, I, I love hearing from people that, of course, we all grew up with different experiences, but how you're able to assign this great meaning to what's led you to where you are today, right? And we could take the same situation for somebody else, a similar circumstance, and you know they fall into the the victim mentality of, well, mm -hmm. I'm in. Hey, I I grew up in Spanish Harlem. What do you expect? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and instead you were able to turn that into, you know, for whatever reason you were able to turn that into, how am I going to create the life that I want? So I love love stories like that. Um, Okay, so that's kind of how you got your start. And now you're, I mean, you're several years into your entrepreneurial journey now. <laughs> and uh, you come, have come out with your book, which I, I do want to talk a lot about. And, uh, but I understand as I was reading it myself, I understand that the title for the book came from, it sounds like something from growing up slang you would use growing up. Is that right? That's exactly right. You yeah. know, when, <clears throat> when you grew up in that neighborhood, you do see people that are broke, busted, and disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see it. You know? yeah. So I, I kind of took that language yeah. just because we grew up with that language. But the reality is over the course of my, my life now, I've seen people that exhibit those, those traits, yeah. that, that life experience of being broke, being busted, and disgusted. And it has nothing to do with financial. Right. It's got to do with a lot more than just money. Right. Um, but that's where that that phrase came from. When we were kids, we would just bust on each other and say, hey, you look broke and busted. You look disgusted. And so but it became a great title for this book. hundred uh, percent it did. And uh, and we are going to cover a lot of it. But everybody, it's 10 toxic traits that keep you broke, busted and disgusted. So you're, you're gonna love it. <laughs> so good. Uh, before we jump into that, though, I, I know a huge part of your expertise is sales, sales psychology. And uh, just to give you a bit of background, too. The majority of people listening today are are in some kind of entrepreneurial endeavor. So a lot of people, this applies directly to what I'd like to do is I want to, you know, I, I talk a lot about mindset. That's kind of my jam, right? I'd like to get to a lot today is bringing your expertise on some, some really great tactical stuff that we can apply in this. So maybe before we jump into the, the nuts and bolts, when you talk about sales psychology, Maybe give us a brief overview of, of what you mean by that. I, I know what I mean by it, but I'd love to hear yours. Well, my, because my background, my academic background, once I continued to develop my entrepreneurial uh, you know, talents, mm -hmm. I finally <clears throat> went back to college mm -hmm. and I, I have a double master's in, bio, in psychology and consumer behavioral sciences. Okay. So by the time I got to that academic place, I had already learned persuasion and selling in the streets, mm -hmm. you know, between all these different things I was doing, making money. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then I added on the academic component of, of psychology. Really what for me, it means really understanding how the other person's brain processes information mm. in terms of making a decision 
um, so that you could leverage that mm-hmm. to position your wording, position your, your message better mm-hmm. so that you're speaking to the right person at the right time and not missing the mark because you're saying all the wrong things mm-hmm. to the wrong person. And what most people don't don't understand, there's two decision makers that, that lives in your head. One is the conscious, one is the subconscious, mm-hmm. and the subconscious is 95% of the decision maker. That's where psychology comes in. Mm-hmm. And and most people, and because I've I've hired, recruited, and trained salespeople, mm-hmm. uh, they shoot themselves in the foot, unbeknownst to them, mm-hmm. because they don't understand who's in front of them. Mm. And the cool thing about that is, you could become a Jedi. You mm-hmm. can become, in fact, my sales force is the sales ninja mm-hmm. because I, you can become that Jedi, that ninja. Mm-hmm. If you understand the wiring that we all have, we all have the same wiring inside mm-hmm. this little uh, nutshell. Mm-hmm. The difference is the program, mm-hmm. but the wiring is the same. So mm-hmm. I know if I say a certain thing to a person, mm-hmm. I know how they're going to react more or less. As long as they're in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. and I could leverage that. I know the trigger words. I know mm-hmm. the, the places that people are motivated from. Mm-hmm. Um, that's using true psychology to sell better. Hmm. So let, let's give some examples of that. When you talk about, you know, for the most part, people respond fairly similar. So maybe some of even those trigger words as an example. Get, yeah. Let's hear of some of them. Well, the first motivator we have is fear. Okay. Where we move when we are in fear. Mm. Love doesn't motivate. Love doesn't move people. That's a secondary. But fear. And what does fear comes from? Preservation. Mm. People have to understand when we were a micro, we were in, in our process of, of developing our cognitive abilities. Mm-hmm. Before we could do internet stuff, you know, we were running around as primitive beings with three functions. Uh stay stay alive mm-hmm. right and that's self-preservation mm-hmm. eat mm-hmm. right and mate mm-hmm. yeah. that's it yeah. that's it that's our whole day was how do we stay alive what are we going to eat and who are we going to mess around with right <laughs> for for duplication processes right sure. pleasure sure but that was it right we didn't think about the internet we weren't worrying about these these other things yeah yeah well that that's one when we have what's, what's called the reptilian brain Right. The reptilian brain, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Preservation hasn't gone away. No. If if you have any human being who walks down an alley at two o'clock in the morning, depending where you are, mm-hmm. even it doesn't matter where you are, that person at two o'clock in the morning already has their fear factor up. They're on alert. Yeah. They're on alert. And yeah. if they see a shady character walking on the same side of the street half a mile away, they're going to cross the street naturally. Why? Absolutely. Yeah. Preservation, self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in the world of financial services, mm-hmm. uh, and even when I was a personal trainer, I understood that. Mm-hmm. So I used to not use fear as a way to manipulate mm-hmm. because there are those who do and mm-hmm. that's that works. Mm-hmm. Right. But fear in a sense of helping people recognize the concern. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong if you don't do dot dot, what could go wrong mm. if you don't insure your family and you pass away? Mm. What could go wrong if you don't save enough money and you're mm. now 65? Mm-hmm. What could go wrong if you don't continue to, if you don't go to the gym mm-hmm. uh, to work? What could go wrong? Mm. And when you ask somebody what could go wrong, mm. their mind 
their subconscious mind is going to drum up imagery, experiences, emotions mm. of all the things that could go wrong. And now fear steps right in. Mm. And people to avoid that image of what what's scary mm-hmm. are more quicker to take action than if they're not presented the, the information that particular way. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It, uh, yeah, as I hear you say that, just thinking about it, of uh, the the questions are amazing because it, you know, they kind of hook the mind, right? It gets us right. Yeah, the right. mind's gonna look for an answer, right? It's looking Correct. for an answer of it. So, Correct. Right. You know, what could go wrong right. if I don't, you know, get this figured out? And whatever it is, whatever kind of business, whatever it is, yeah. whatever it is. And the minute they start to answer that, yeah, what I what I teach and train. People outside of my own, within my organization and outside of my organization. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell them, you, when you ask that question, you shut up. Mm. You don't need to say anything else. Let their mind go to work. Mm-hmm. Let the imagery that's going to be conjured up go to work. Mm-hmm. The images are going to conjure up emotions. Mm-hmm. When I used to do ministry, I was in ministry at one time. Okay. And I used to do marriage ministry. Okay. It was men's ministry. We're talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell the guys as, as we had conversations and they were pretty open because it was a very transparent group of guys. Mm-hmm. And there was guys that were struggling with, we all struggled with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as men. Mm-hmm. So I used to tell them, Hey man, um, so what could go wrong if your wife found out about that? Mm. I didn't have to say anything else. Mm. And they would answer. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. It's a very good likelihood. She would leave me. Mm. And and then I would ask them, well, what what's what would be uh, horrible about that if that happened? And then, man, the minute they started answering that, my kids, my father, fear. Mm. So all I did in the end was ask them, well, how quick you want to fix that problem? Mm. What's how quick you want to fix that problem? Mm-hmm. So anyway, powerful. For sure. One question. One yeah. question. Yeah. Changes everything. That's psychology. That's amazing. And are you, uh, um, you know, we uh, hear Tony talk about all the time, but that uh, desire to avoid pain and gain pleasure, the two primary things we're looking. So you begin with this where what could go wrong, you know, what, what would be horrible about that? You're getting them to kind of paint that picture. Are you then moving them into a, a greater vision of the future? Walk me through a bit of that process, if that's part of it or. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. you know, Tony, Tony's point is, you know, people, pain and pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People will move quicker to avoid pain than gain pleasure. 100%. And here's the reason why. Yeah, because 100%. they can negotiate the amount of pleasure that they want to have. Right. If they want to have a lot of pleasure, they'll work hard towards it. Right. But if they see the work is too hard, they'll yeah. say, well, I don't need that much pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll take yeah. a little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, once you help people recognize pain and, and by the way, one of the things we're doing in our training classes in our, mm-hmm. in our offices is we're mm-hmm. talking about how do you elevate the concern in mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. when you elevate concern. And I'll give you some tips in a second. On that. Sure. When you elevate concern, the decision making process that you want the other person to make becomes that much easier mm. because most people aren't aware of the, the 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 high degree of concern until you make it so noticeable that they have to do something, 
And that's where, you know, again, the, these, these questions uh, are come from where it roots uh, this concern, this fear. Right. But once they get to that point and they verbalize what can go wrong, mm-hmm. then that's when you bring in the, 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 not the pleasure. I don't like to use the word pleasure, okay. but the remedy, right? Sure. sure. How, yeah. how do you, how do you then remove the pain? How yeah. do you remove the pain? Because yeah. by removing the pain, it's not yeah. necessary pleasure so much as I've eliminated the pain. Yeah. 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 Well, so here, here's a great question for that. Yeah. You just ask somebody. Yeah. Once they uh, have brought the pain, uh, the fear and what, what can go wrong, here's a great question. Here's the million dollar question right now. This is going to make the whole show. What are you going to do about that? Hmm. Hey, you know, my, here's my greatest concern. Here's the reason why I need to do this. And all the fear and preservation, all these things that they're talking about now comes to the surface. Your question is, so how important is it for you to not experience that? What are you going to do about that? What can we do to move, to move away from that happening? Mm-hmm. What has to happen so that doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. And they will answer what you want them to answer. Mm-hmm. Now you become the facilitator, mm-hmm. not the convincer. Mm-hmm. You know, what I found is that great leaders, great salespeople, great coaches are uh, great question askers, right? Correct. Where, where like you said, it's not about, uh, in some people may do it this way, but it's not about, you know, manipulating someone into, but instead allowing them through their own answers to come to the place where they're ready to take some action. They're ready to, to make a move on that. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you, man. I mean, we will, we will pay uh, for people that can solve our problems, right? We will pay for people that can get rid of the pain points that we have in our life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's uh, se- seemingly, it seems like you said, I mean, we'll actually pay much more for that and more often than we will for someone that says, well, I could help you make X amount of dollars or I could help you, you know, get the car, get the home, get the body, get the whatever. It does seem that we're more motivated by that for sure. Yeah. Let me give you an example. So when I was in personal training, one of the reasons why I did really, really well, mm-hmm. again, that was one of my early entrepreneurial expressions. Mm-hmm. I was a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned early on that to ask somebody, and I, I focused on men. I don't really do too much women. Mm-hmm. Um, I focused, I would ask the guys early on before I learned and implemented mm-hmm. what I was, what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. I would ask them, so how much muscle do you want to gain? Mm. And I would kind of have fun with that. I'll say, look at my bicep. You want your bicep to like my spire? And no, oh, yeah, sure. But I wouldn't get the response I wanted as mm-hmm. opposed to when I would ask the men, mm-hmm. so how much weight are you looking to lose in the next 30 days? Interesting. Yeah. And I would get a more with, I, I, I want to lose the weight yeah. right, than the gain of a muscle. Right. Um, so sometimes, uh, Avoiding something that you uh, rather the, it's not the pursuit of, of gain mm-hmm. is the the loss of something and and maybe we'll see, I think in the end it was an image thing they wanted to lose weight because yep. self confidence and maybe they totally. weren't feeling confidence right totally they didn't care about the bicep they just wanted to lose thirty pounds yeah right yeah. Um, but questions make a big deal man yeah questions. they do well I mean and that example is a great example that when we're thinking of the pain we're moving away from the pain is how I feel about how I look. Right. Right. You know, that's exactly right. I want to get rid of that. Like, I don't want to feel that way anymore. Right. And uh, we may not know exactly how I do want to feel, but I know I don't want to feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, Uh, in in sales, just because I think this will help a lot lot of you guys. mm -hmm. um, 
you know, if, if you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, what's the pain point? The pain point is when you're not making any money mm -hmm. and your bills are piling up, the creditors mm -hmm. are falling, you're running mm -hmm. scared. Mm -hmm. And uh, who likes to feel like that, right? To totally. That, well, you know, if, if, if you are concerned, rather, if that is your, your current state, your, the pain that you're feeling is the pain of regret or the pain of being broke, mm -hmm. then the question is, what are you willing to do not to feel that? Mm -hmm. You know, is, is it worth making a few more phone calls? Is it worth talking yeah. to a few more people? Yeah. Um, is it worth staying up late? Is it worth getting up earlier? Right. Is it worth working a little harder right. to avoid ever feeling that way? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It, Powerful you know, I, stuff, man. Oh, it's really powerful. I remember early in my career, I was, uh, I'm probably two or three years into my entrepreneurial journey at this point. And, uh, what you described was it. I mean, creditors were calling, you know, I got stuff in collections. I'm behind mm -hmm. on everything. I got no money coming in, no sales. And, um, and I remember, I vividly remember, uh, getting to my lowest point of intense pain where I had to make a phone call to a family member that I never wanted to make in my life. And it hurt, Jay, it hurt so much that that was the moment for me where, you know, you talk about uh, people reaching rock bottom. That was my personal rock bottom. And that is where I made a decision to change. So for me personally, it was where I'd already been doing this, you know, at that point, whatever it was, two, two and a half, three years, I knew what to do, <clears throat> but I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing enough of it. And it mm -hmm. was for me, it was that immense pain. What I like about what you're talking about is, is you're helping people and you're teaching people how they can become effective so that people don't need to wait for a rock bottom to change. You know, that's what it was for me, but I didn't need to wait for that. And, you know, there's, yeah. you know, there, there's so much wisdom in what you said that, um, if there's nothing else that people get out of this podcast, mm. this little 10 second clip that you don't have to wait around for things to get that bad. No, you don't have to. Um, I went from a place I, I, I in my life and I'm not going to get into that because we don't have time for that. But similar to what you said, years and years and years and years and years ago, mm -hmm. um, when I switched from the prior company I was at to the company I'm with now, mm -hmm. It was very difficult for me, and I, I just gotten uh, married. My wife had just gotten pregnant. I mean, mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. it was mm -hmm. a mess, mm -hmm. a mess. Mm -hmm. I learned what it what it means to go from a sense of urgency mm. to a state of an emergency. <laughs> well said. <Yeah. laughs> there's yep. a difference. Yeah, there is. You could have yeah. a sense of urgency. Yeah. But it's not until you have a you are you're in a state of an emergency. Yeah. That you find out number one who you are and what you're right. to do. Right. Yeah. You got to the state of an emergency. Oh, for sure. Yep. Pick up that phone call and call somebody you didn't want to call. Yeah. I got to a state of an emergency. And I tell you what, I remember that day just like you do, because mm -hmm. that's the day it all turned around. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That that's what you call a watershed moment. Right. That was a watershed moment for me, brother. Yeah. So yeah. But yep. most people don't have to get to that place if they just do what they need to do early on. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, man, this is so good. I mean, we could probably do uh several other hours continuing on this subject. I want to get because uh, I want people to get your book too, but I want to mm -hmm. get to the book. I want to start talking about it. And so again, it's the 10 toxic traits that keep you broke, busted and disgusted. And 
what I loved when I was reading the book, and, and thank you for including me in that, uh, what I loved about it was that as I read the title, I want everybody to understand this. I mean, the title could be, I mean, immediately you might be a little offended, right? Where you think, mm -hmm. like, you know, I, hey, who are you but then <laughs> when you read the book, though, guys, I just want you to understand when you read the book is, the, I mean, the title is going to grab you. It might, it might catch you a little bit, but, but Jay's, the way he delivers it, though, you'll see it. I mean, every trait all of us have experienced, right? There's not a trait in there that we haven't gone through in some way, shape or form. But right. then, but then the way you deliver it though, is that it's with candor. So you're very direct in what you deliver it, but it's also with compassion. Mm -hmm. And it is not, guys, it's not a, uh, you know, in your face, make you feel bad kind of book. I mean, it's really, really designed. What I noticed about it was just really designed to help you recognize and become aware of how might I be, you know, living this trade in my life right now? And then what can I actually do about it? So I, I love the way you wrote it. And uh, I just think you did a really good job with it. So it's cool. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. I'm glad that you pointed it out because that is so true. Yeah. Um, it, it's written where I grab somebody by the shirt, grab a uh -huh. person and say, hey, yeah, but I love them afterwards. I give a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, so many of them too. I mean, you're weaving in, you know, you're not sitting from uh, the pedestal saying, hey, listen, you got to get your you know what together mm -hmm. it's uh man this is how this showed up in my life right, right? And, you know <laughs> right yeah yeah it uh so i'm curious for you out of the 10 and we're not going to go through all 10 today people can get the book right. we'll probably right. talk about a couple of them Wh mm -hmm. which one in your life for you as the author you as the expert teaching us other people out of the 10 which one did you find maybe the hardest to change in your life you know i tell you i think impulsivity uh-huh it's it's gotten me into trouble okay impulsivity not thinking things through not taking time to just absorb uh yeah all aspects of it yeah and and just thinking that um without doing any real fact finding right. i can get away with this decision okay. uh that has come back and has cost me i've, mm. I've had to learn how to hit the pause button mm. you know mm -hmm. um i think a lot of people who live in our world mm -hmm. we 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 want we're ambitious we want mm. success Mm -hmm. So we're a lot quicker to make impulsive decisions mm -hmm. because we want it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, that could be problematic. Yeah. Uh, and I think most people, when they trace back their bad decisions, mm -hmm. it's been because they were impulsive, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I would say that's one that for me yeah. is uh, one of those traits that I've had to get a hold on. And even my wife now sometimes tells me, slow down, brother, right. slow down. Right. Right. Yeah, I remember that chapter because you got a funny story about that. Right, um, right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right. it's a, a great example of it for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that it's interesting as you say that. I mean, I look at my life and, you know, that there's no doubt that that's cost me a lot too at mm -hmm. different times. And, mm -hmm. um, and an interesting, I just thought of this right now, Jay, but uh, in some ways, you know, that part that has impacted you. I also bet the flip side of that coin though, is that to some ways, there's been, you know, you're probably quick to make some decisions that have served you really well too, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's something to be said about, um, and, and you learn this as you get older, you learn this as you get life experience, mm -hmm. to learn that there's a difference between, that, that by side by side, there's the progress, you find the button for progress, mm -hmm. but right by next to it is the button for pause. Mm. And as you're pursuing progress, you have to not lose sight of the pause button. Mm. 
Because sometimes the way you have more progress is by hitting the pause. Mm -hmm. Maturity, mm -hmm. life maturity teaches you that. And then how to make measured decisions. Right. Calculated risk. Right. Measured decisions. Right. That helps offset and counterbalance impulsivity. Totally it does. Yeah, totally yeah. it does. Uh, I, I'd like you to talk a bit about <clears throat> this trait. And uh, to, for me, it was one of the most interesting ones, actually. I can't remember mm -hmm. if it's five or six, but it was um, uh, the identity crisis part. The, uh, oh, you yeah. know, and you said something in that chapter <clears throat> that I made note of. And, uh, and I wanted to expand on this because you said when you don't know your true identity, you'll never know your true value. And as I read that, I loved it. And I thought, man, this is a, this is a powerful chapter, mm -hmm. knowing your true identity. So can you expand on that idea? Yeah. You know, it's funny because in, in the people business, I've always been in the people business. Always. Right. I've never been an isolationist. Right. Everything I've ever done, I've had, I've interacted, recruiting, training, mm -hmm. uh, no matter uh, whatever, people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, these traits come from uh, from observing not only my own personal life but observing others. And one of the things that I've I've, I've noticed as a as a common thread of, of a challenge, common thread of a, of a bad trait, mm -hmm. is when people don't know who they are. So if you don't know who you are, mm -hmm. two things will occur. Mm -hmm. You will always try to become whatever else somebody wants you, to, who they want you to become. Your yeah. Play-Doh. Yeah. Your your Play-Doh. Play-Doh, the old Play-Doh clay, shape it whatever you want to shape it, however you want to shape it, it becomes whatever you want. Yeah. Well, if you don't know who you are, then others are going to mold you in the identity they want you to have in their own eyes. But yeah. it may not be you, right? Right, right. So, and I, I use that in uh, sort of the entrepreneurial sense as well, because you and I both know there's plenty of people that love to be an entrepreneur they want to be in their own business mm -hmm. maybe because they see their friends doing it their next door neighbor maybe something they get glamour uh these glamour eyes over mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. but that's not who you are mm -hmm. you're not that that's not your identity you are a very good processor of work mm -hmm. meaning you're an employee not wrong with that mm -hmm. and there's a difference between identifying yourself as a processor of work or as a work creator, mm. you can be both, but sometimes your greater strength is one and over the others. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a, a processor of somebody else's work. Mm -hmm. I learned that about me. That's my identity. I'm mm -hmm. not good at processing somebody else's work. I am mm -hmm. better at creating my own. Mm -hmm. And there's some people that when they join an entrepreneurial business, mm -hmm. they're not good at creating activity. Mm -hmm. They don't have it. That's not who they're supposed to be. That's not their calling. But mm -hmm. boy, are they very good at processing somebody else's. Mm -hmm. That's an employee mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. If you don't know who you are, you're not going to be able to flow in what I call your anointing. Mm -hmm. And you'll always have a struggle throughout life because mm -hmm. you, you, you're not happy. You, you're trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. And boy, your whole life can, can, can flash right by you. And you still didn't arrive at the person you were called to be doing the thing you were assigned to do. That's uh, uh, thank you. That uh, I have to share with you that for me, that was a, uh, a large part of the last few years for me was recognizing. And, and I know this is part of the, the strategy that you teach even in the book too, but is, is really taking a look at, okay, well, how do I, you know, how do I really start to get this idea of a true identity? Who am I really? 
And a big part of it is, you know, recognizing the gifts and strengths, right? Mm -hmm. Of you, where do I naturally excel? What am I naturally inclined to do? Uh, because we can develop those, right? I, I think that there's, you know, there's a level of giftedness in all of us for various things, and we can develop those. Typically, we can develop those gifted strengths significantly more than in your example of maybe the person where, you know, yours is a, more of a, a creator that way versus a processor. And if we don't stop to acknowledge those things, I think, I think that the further we move away from our, our gifts and strengths, the more unhappy we become. Because mm -hmm. to, your, to your point, right? I, uh, you called it something differently. Uh, I apologize. I'm not able to repeat it, but where you're, okay. you're just not, not stepping into to who you're meant to be. Right. Do you call it your anointing? Is that what you called it? Your anointing. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. There, there's something to be said. And I was just having a conversation with a woman, mm -hmm. um, 74 years old, lovely, lovely lady, mm -hmm. but she, 74 years old, she still doesn't know mm. who she is. Mm. Married four times, mm. tried all sorts of businesses, unhappy. Mm -hmm. And she's 74, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I was coaching her, but she ended up buying my book. And then mm -hmm. she said, hey, you do coaching. And I said, okay, so we were, that's that's how I'm, she mm -hmm. came to my, my radar. Mm -hmm. But it's important to sit down and do something that most people don't do. Mm. And it's to ask yourself, who am I mm -hmm. and who am I not? Mm. And crystallize it. Who am I? Who am I not? Hmm. What am I willing, based on who I am, mm -hmm. to, uh, what's non-negotiable for me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And what and what am I willing to, to <laughs> negotiate? And as you start to ask these questions, yeah, you recognize that, okay, you, you start to peel the onions of your identity and you realize, holy crap, so that's who that guy is? Right. And then you gravitate towards the things that support the identity, not detract the identity. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that word you use, non-negotiables, is important um, because I think it's also, too, if we, you know, we begin to think, well, who am I not? And I want to hear your perspective on this. How do you help someone if they're uh, the difference between who they're not versus maybe they're just afraid to do those things, to take those steps? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I I do, and I think again that's that's where most people don't take uh, they don't take the time because deep down inside they really don't want to know mm. because when you know who you are, it's going to force you to make some decisions that may not be the right. decisions you want to make. It's going to force you to move away from some people that you have no right. business being with. It's going to right. force you to not do things that you think you can do. Yeah, it's going to bring reality right. into the forefront instead of this delusional right. existence that you're having. Right. And you know what? For some people, it's like the Matrix, the pill, right? Remember the old mm -hmm. Matrix to get the red pill, the blue pill, right? Of course. The guy says, you can take this pill and go back to where you were living. Yeah. Right? It's a delusion. But yeah. And some people take the delusional pill because they don't want reality. The guy's yeah. having the stake in the scene, the Matrix scene. He says, you know, I know this stake is just a, uh, the wiring of the mind. That is, this stake doesn't really exist. Yeah. But ignorance is bliss. And he chomps on the stake, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's where most people are. They would rather not know because it's going to force them to make decisions that they're uncomfortable with. Totally. That's delusional. Yeah. No, that's really well said. I think that yeah, as you step more into who you really are, is it doesn't mean that the path is just a, 
uh, perfect, no bumps, right? In a lot of ways, it's scarier in the beginning. Correct. Because you're having Correct. to leave, leave behind this fake identity that you build up to this point, this, yeah, that, uh, or who you think you are anyways, right? It, uh, it's scary. It is. Yeah. It is. I've, I've told people in my own in business mm -hmm. uh, that I've recruited, mm -hmm. uh, Ben, that I've said to them, hey, you know what? Based on our conversations and, and based on what I'm learning about you, mm -hmm. you're not meant to be uh, a business owner or an entrepreneur. You're meant to be an extraordinary employee. Hmm. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. It just means you don't have the 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 calling for hmm. this. Hmm. And let me just take a second on that real quick, if I could. I know we're running out of time, but I think mm -hmm. this is important. I think we're hitting a hop uh, uh, a good place here. Mm -hmm. When people wander through life with this identity issue, mm -hmm. like I did for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. But then all of a sudden the curtain got pulled back and I saw my life and I said, holy smokes, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And everything that I realized uh, that I had done in my entire life supported the identity of who I was, which was mm -hmm. an inspirer, encourager, in, uh, instructor, improving mm -hmm. others lives. That's who I was. That's who I've always been. That's my that's my calling. So how do you know what your calling is? Mm -hmm. Your callings are always revealed by your gifts. Your gifts reveal your calling and your calling gives you the purpose. Mm. And once you find your purpose, there comes your passion. Mm -hmm. Why do people live passionless lives? Because they're not walking in their purpose because they mm. have no idea what their calling is because it hasn't been identified. They've not looked at their gifts. I don't throw a 95 mile an hour baseball because that's not mm. my gift. Mm. I don't sing. I mean, I, I sing. Okay. But not like that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm. But guess what? I've never taken a writing course ever. Mm. 10 uh 10 books mm. and it, as you read this one it's well written mm. right well written mm -hmm. 10 books well written never took a writing course that's a gift mm. never took a speaking course mm. but i spoke and I, I you can give me two minutes to prepare for a talk and i'm on it mm -hmm. that's a gift yeah right yeah yeah what other people work hard at yeah that comes natural to you right that's your gift right that reveals your calling yeah yeah. And most people never take the time to examine, analyze, acknowledge their gifts. So they become yeah. wandering generalities. Totally. And I think that as you recognize those gifts, I mean, there can be many different facets of how you can explore that. Right. Um, Correct. But but yeah, I love that, man. Uh, you know, that that could be an entire book right, right. there. That's the whole that's your next book right, right there. Bro. Right. 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 <laughs> um, it, uh, listen, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing this. I want people to connect with you. I know there's a few ways. So, uh, you've got your talk show and I, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. The J Mamie talk show, correct? Is that, do I have that right or wrong? The J Okay. The J Mamie So check that out there, everybody get a copy of the book and get it on Amazon. And, um, in terms of social, in terms of people connecting with you, where's the best place for them to find you if they want to reach out to you? Sure. LinkedIn. Okay. They can go to LinkedIn. They can go to my Instagram, which is DJ Maney. Okay. Um, the Facebook page is uh, DJ Maney. Perfect. Uh, but LinkedIn, I'm, I'm there. Just pull me up and connect. Cool. I love it. Well, thanks for being here today, brother. It was thanks for having me. fun going through this. I love these conversations and, and I'm excited for all the work that you're doing in the world that you've found your gifts and you found your calling, you're living your purpose and it shows up in the passion you bring. So thank you for that. Everybody you, appreciate being here. Hundred percent, man. Guys, hey, make sure you're sharing the show. Tag Jay, tag myself, and I appreciate you being here as always. We'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. <laughs>